0: blaze radio network and now chewing the fat with jeff fisher so i guess COVID 19 is still a thing Oh, of course it's still a thing but it really isn't a big deal anymore at least here in the united states of america at least i don't feel like it is we've decided as a general rule of thumb in the public eye that yes it exists We are not going to be scared by it, and we're going to live our lives. At least many of us are. I mean, I just went to a doctor's appointment where the sign said uh, masks required. No one was wearing a mask. I take that back. There were a couple people that had masks on. They used to provide them. They didn't have a box of masks at the front counter. So I'm like, I'm not putting one on then and not a word was said it's really strange uh that they still had to sign up and they but they did not make a deal about it at all where they used to they used to say yeah you got to wear a mask now they have the sign up but it's like no we're not going to say anything so if you're not going to wear one we're not going to say anything yeah no kidding and then I see a story that talks about China rushing to control the new wave of COVID well they have like and. 27 new symptomatic covid cases and with their uh you know zero covid policy that pretty much shut down the the domestic product uh you know i mean they just shut everything down are we still you know still going through huge waves of numbers and I go to, you know, the world-o-meters info on, uh, you know, COVID cases. And I see the U.S. obviously is still number one with 98,572,011 cases of COVID-19. Doesn't have any uh, listing under new cases. And, of course, sadly, we've lost over a million lives. But the surging country is Taiwan. They have like 41,000 New cases. And then I wonder, well, where's China on the list? It's got to be way down because for a while they didn't even admit that they had COVID 19 in their country at all. So they claim to have 254,066 total cases of COVID 19. That's 108th on the list of countries. They have, again, you know, 491. New cases. The story that I told you earlier said 427. This is 491. So I guess it is surging in China. And then I thought, well, who's at the bottom of the list? I mean, who has uh, who's the faraway country that has COVID but you wouldn't think about it? Now they have listed in this list uh, the the last on the list at 230 is the MS Xiande, which is a cruise ship. Well, so I guess we're ranking cruise ships. Yeah, because Diamond Princess is 225 on the list with 712 total cases. But uh, the Western Sahara has 10 cases and one death. And then Tuvalu has 20 total cases. And you think to yourself, wait, Tuvalu? Yeah, it's islands in the Pacific. <laughs> it's beautiful. If you if you look at the globe... Uh, Tuvalu is uh, islands in the Pacific. It's a beautiful place. Uh, It's uh, in the South Pacific. It's an independent island nation within the British Commonwealth. Nine islands comprise small, thinly populated atolls and reef islands with palm-fringed beaches and WW2 sites. Okay, so there you go. If you want to have some fun and go somewhere where there's very little COVID, Uh, You can go to Tuvalu. But until then, you can just, I don't know, live your life. Welcome! Welcome to Chewing the Fat. I've been telling you uh, all week about uh, Fat Bear Week, and we've been following uh, the uh, votes on Fat Bear Week, and we're at the finals now with 747 and 901. Uh, going down for the, uh, champion of Fat Bear Week 2022. Uh, so I see where Fat Bear Week is now. Rocked by cheating claims. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, you know, you go to their website and you vote. And apparently there were 7,000 fake votes. (laughs) Uh, 747 was dubbed the winner in the semifinal brackets. And, uh, they said that they found more than 7,000 fake votes for his rival Holly, and so Bear 747 was one has been I mean a dominant bear at uh, Katmai National Park he won the competition in 2020 and he's going to go on to the finals. But now uh, we're saying that there was a cheating scandal in Fat bear, work, bear Week. Is there nothing sacred? Is there nothing sacred anymore? Now Katmai National Park said that uh, hey hey hey. Uh, We can tell. Uh, We can tell that uh, we have uh, an issue with the way the votes are. And so we said, no, 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 no. Uh, That is not going to happen. Okay? They said it appears someone has decided to spam the Fat Bear Week poll. Fortunately, it's easy for us to tell which votes are fraudulent. So we have discarded the fake votes. And today's official score totals are... And the winner goes to 747 with 37,940 votes, up against 435 with 30,430. So we're in the finals now. (laughs) Uh, There's nothing sacred anymore. We're cheating at Fat Bear Week. Sad, sad, sad. I did vote for 747 uh, this morning, and 747 does have the lead, so... Keep your fingers crossed for 747 to be crowned the victorious fattest bear at Katmai National Park and the Fat Bear Week contest. So we're at a point now when we are being made to believe that polyamorous unions are okay. And, you know, I guess I mean, if you want to be in one, go ahead. Uh, that's fine. I saw a story where, uh, New York city, there's a civil court judge that said, uh, yeah, the, uh, the relationship is fine. They had, there was three people, just three in this (laughs) polyamorous relationship. And they, the judge said that they were entitled to the same sort of legal protection given to two person relationships. And this guy was saying that one of the three had died and couldn't, uh, they could, the others couldn't re up the lease. It was, you know, that's what the, that's what it was all about. And then, so, you know, it's fine. Uh, any polyamorous uh, relationships should be entitled to the same legal, uh, protections given to two person relationships. Okay. Uh, we'll see if that uh, holds up, but it certainly is being held up in New York city in civil court for sure. And, I mean, they're laying the groundwork for it. And then I see a story about uh, Tamika Wilder. Now, she's a sexologist, and she lives in Australia. And she's, a, in fact, according to this story, she is a leading Australian sexologist. So, I mean, it says so, the story. <laughs> and she has a parent kind of podcast, so I'm sure it's great. And... She uh, talks about her work as a sex coach, and helps moms who want to reconnect their sensuality, joy, and pleasure. And uh, she told the host, Maggie Kelly, about uh, what some might view as an unconventional living situation. Really, what would that be? Well, I live with my boyfriend, my husband, and my kids. Boy, you want to talk about a nightmare house, <laughs> <laughs> so she claims look uh, when I met the father of my two kids I told him uh, I want to be with you but it won't be just you Okay, so I already laid that groundwork early on <laughs> uh, I had a polyamorous or open relating values and uh, that's, that's what I believed in right away That's something that is non-negotiable. All right? So, that's the way it goes. So, after she had two sons, uh, she, uh, you know, they were together, and then she went away to some festival and met this guy who is now the boyfriend, and uh, she came home and said, I'm not willing to not see this person again. So... You know, that's the way it goes. And look, I didn't move him right in, right away. I had him stop by and get to know the kids and get to know the dad. And then we went out together and separately. And now he's just living with us. So it's the way it is. It's a great relationship. We all get along and hug and it's just wonderful. So I love having my, my boyfriend here, and my husband here and my kids. So it's a beautiful life. you know that sounds good on the surface well i mean really does it but uh wow what a nightmare home that must be now you know we joke around people who have you know multiple wives and she's got you know multiple husbands and while it, it isn't illegal because right she's not having multiple husbands she has a husband and then she has a boyfriend so that's what i don't understand about the uh The big deal about multiple wives, Um, one is the wife or none of the wives, and then they all just consider themselves wives, but they don't technically get married. So that's not illegal, right? I mean, you can have as many girlfriends or as many boyfriends as you want. I I, just, uh, I don't understand it. So anyway, just be ready that it's it's all okay. It's all okay. No matter how many partners you have, no matter how many partners are living there, as long as it's okay and you are all upfront about your unconventional living situation, it's all good. Okay? Yeah, you know it is. You know it is. <laughs> let's go to the break room. I need a break desperately, man. You want to talk about, I mean, there's all kinds of jokes that you can make about multiple wives and multiple husbands. And you know, you have a wife or a husband and a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Wow. I mean, you get into, uh, you know, I guess it's better not to deceive, right? She laid the groundwork right from the beginning so that we're open about the whole thing instead of trying to uh, trying to deceive each other through your relationships so <sighs> all right go ahead all right let's go to the break room I need something cold to drink desperately. <laughs> So I see where uh, my man, Senator Ted Cruz from the great state of Texas, is uh taking his podcast verdict with Ted Cruz to iHeart Radio. Uh, or iHeart. Uh he is changing co-host, though. The original host was Michael Knowles, and Michael Knowles has been doing the podcast since the very beginning. And so they announced on Friday that uh yeah, uh, Ted received an offer to move the show from uh, independent production to iHeart Media, and where they're going to have, uh, you know, more resources and staffing could be provided to turn the show into a terrestrial radio broadcast. And so, uh, you know, it's obviously, I mean, it's a huge audience anyway with the podcast. But I guess he wants to, you know, they want to make the deal. I don't know how much iHeart offered Ted to do this. Uh, I'm sure it was a pretty penny. So they're going to dump a bunch of money into marketing. And so the only thing is, is that Michael Knowles can't be a part of it, right? He works for the Daily Wire and, uh, he also does, they, they have, uh, other production that they have with, uh, not Comcast. Yeah, I guess it is Westwood one. And so I know they produce stuff with, with them as well. So he's out. And they're moving, uh, I guess, Ben Ferguson, who does a podcast through iHeart, and I know he does fill in work for some other of the bigger radio shows uh, around the country, and he's going to co-host the Ted Cruz verdict. So I guess that moves to three times a week. Uh, Ted doesn't have enough to do. He's going to worry about uh, the podcast business and the radio business. And uh, he also does another show with Liz Wheeler uh, called The Cloak Room. I don't know what happens with that podcast. Is that done for now? Is that all the rest of the podcast all shut down? Because he's going to work with uh, Ben Ferguson on verdict. And that's just going to be through iHeart. We'll see it. We sell she. Kind of weird, though. Kind of kind of weird. that uh, It's weird that the senator is working that deal um, uh, and still you know being taking care of Senate business I don't know just seems kind of strange and it seems kind of strange that he you know dicks Michael Knowles I I know that it's all about money and production and putting the thing together but seems kind of weird that I mean he's been with Michael all this time and then he just kicks him to the curb huh okay All right, I guess we're all just one big happy family then, huh? All right. Well, good luck. Speaking of being one big happy family, I see where Larry King's widow, uh, Sean King, is suing uh, the son uh, for $100 million. Uh, She's she's saying that, uh, yeah, uh, you owe me a bunch of money. You stole a bunch of money from me. And your little amendment that was filed uh, two months after Larry King filed for divorce but was never finalized uh, doesn't really count because they gave her the boot as far as being the uh, special administrator to the estate with this handwritten amendment. Uh, we were still married, even though we were going through the process of divorcing. So, you owe me like a hundred million at least, and uh, I'm suing all of you for it. I want it all. <laughs> okay, all right, no problem. We'll see how that goes. I mean, there is. There was definitely blood in the water for that deal. And then I see where Anne Heche's family is in a big fight for whatever money she had. She had, uh, you know, a few million. I don't know how much Anne was worth. She had to be worth at least, you know, five or ten million dollars, maybe more. And uh, she had a 13-year-old son and a 20-year-old son. And uh, so the 20-year-old obviously is, uh, you know, an adult or close to it and out on his own. But he... uh, He was the son of a, uh, uh, ex-husband, Coleman Lafoon, And the younger one is the son of James Tupper, who now James Tupper says, uh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take the kid. And, uh, Homer, the 20 year old says, yeah, well, he ought to be with me. And now they're fighting over who actually wants to be the gatekeeper to the money. And we'll see what happens now. They claim that there's an email from Anne saying that she wanted to, uh, you know, she wanted to have uh, Tougher be the administrator and take care of the kids. Okay. And they're saying, no, it doesn't count. Uh, No, that will is not legal. It's not a valid one. So the whole thing is up going into court. So they're going to be fighting over that and who gets to watch over the 13-year-old and have access to the money. So it should be fun. I mean, it's not really fun. These are just families ripped apart after someone was someone died and was the, 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 the spark and the light of the family, and they die, and then everything is thrown into a turmoil, and we're just going to fight over the money. It's really kind of sad, but, you know, it's fun for me to watch. Like watching Don Lemon say goodbye the other night on his finale of his primetime program uh, you know I don't and I'm glad he didn't get fired he's got a new I don't want anybody to get fired ever and uh, he's going and it was his choice to move to the anchoring or co anchoring of the morning show uh-huh but uh, his final nighttime show he said that I was not always perfect no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. And uh, he concluded, and I could play the audio, but I just I don't I, can't, I don't think I could make it all the way through again. Um, sometimes it was exhausting because some of the things that we discuss here are so personal and so consuming, all consuming. So I hope I made you proud. Well, you were wrong on on that count for me. And I thank you for tuning in all these years. Yeah, I didn't. We only look for the clips. And I hope that you're going to join me in the morning. Ooh, yeah, no. nothing I want more is to listen to uh, Don Lemon and uh, Poppy Harlow and Caitlin Collins on CNN's morning show. Ugh. That just rings to me awful. But, you know, whatever. That's fine. Good for him. But then he he turned around and he goes, I'm going to leave. And I'm going to leave now. And then he kept walking and he, uh, walked up the back stairs on his set. Now I'm just going to say that he said, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go upstairs. And he just did that. He turned away. The camera was still on. The show wasn't over. And he trudges over to the stairs and bangs his way up the stairs and says, bye. And he sniffles inside. And, uh, you know, that was the end of the show. I would venture to say that those stairs aren't real, I mean the stairs absolutely are real. they just don't lead to a door that takes you out of that studio so a little bit of fun to be there and watch him trudge back down the stairway thinking how'd you go did it go over well? you think everybody you think i li- you think it went over well yeah, I don't think it did Don I don't think it did you know i I remember when you you know tried to get the uh national hurricane Center to uh join you on climate change. Yeah, that one didn't work either. Yeah, I remember when you had the lady on about the Queen dying and how the uh, how the the, uh, the the Royals should give uh, reparations to descendants of the African slave trade, which uh, the British commentator said, yeah, no, that should not happen. Uh, so uh, you were wrong. So if we can look forward to that in the CNN morning show with Poppy and Caitlin. well, you know I might tune in. probably not though. Did you know that around 15 million colonoscopies are performed in the U.S. every year? Now, it's, you know, said that it's part of a standard preventative care for adults over 45. However, a new study has called into question whether, you know, all that footage is really necessary. I mean, if you ever if you've had a colonoscopy, uh, you know what to expect. Now they don't let you watch anymore. And I I had one uh, one time prior to a surgery. I think it was my knee, my first knee replacement surgery. I got to watch, and it was really cool. You get to see inside of you. You know, I loved it. Then I had another one uh, for another mm-hmm. surgery, and they wouldn't let me watch. Uh, and I was very disappointing. However, uh, they're saying that over a ten year period people who had the screenings were 18% less likely to develop colon cancer than people who didn't. Okay, that's according to a study in the New England Journal of Medicine. I love studies from the New England Journal of Medicine. However, the risk of death from cancer for both the screened and unscreened was about the same, Uh, you know, around 0.3%. So... I guess, you know, maybe the colonoscopy has something to do with, uh, you know, telling cancer, hey, we're, ch- we're seeing if you're here so it doesn't show up. <laughs> but for the most part, if you uh, get cancer, then it doesn't matter. So, you know, maybe it helps a little, just, uh, just so you know. I see where we have a new study on uh, uh, Alzheimer's with genetic changes caused by Alzheimer's in different types of brain cells for the first time we see the changes and so the results show many changes occur in the cell types uh, other than neurons so i mean we're looking into that we have a new alzheimer's drug Uh, which slowed cognitive decline in patients with early Alzheimer's by 27% over 18 months in a final phase trial. That's awesome. The rate of decline met the study's targets and offers hope to, you know, 6 million people in the U.S. with Alzheimer's. Uh, Yeah, well, we have uh, millions of people with Alzheimer's, but this is uh, early Alzheimer's, right? There's, I mean, I don't know how many millions have, uh, you know, onset dementia but if you can slow it down or delay it great uh so you know it's only it'll only be worth billions of dollars uh the uh lecanemab it's that's the alzheimer's drug uh, lecanemab l-e-c-a-n-e-m-a-b uh will fare better than uh their previous alzheimer's drug adelham which was a total flop well yeah it didn't work Right, it was flop. I mean, it got to work. Hello, and I don't know that it was a flop anyway. I think it was just way too expensive. Right? It was I don't know. Was I feel like it was thirty or forty thousand dollars a year? Uh, You know, I don't want Alzheimer's, but I mean, and I don't want you to have Alzheimer's, but it's kind of an expensive deal. So anyway, we'll see if uh, you know the new the new drug. The what did I call it? What's what what is the name of the lecanemab? Uh, L-E-C-A-N-E-M-A-B. And no, not a morphophallus. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. The Licanumab. Exactly. Thank you very much. And we have new studies about eating. We saw, I think we talked about it at one point, where vegetarians are twice as likely to be depressed than meat eaters i mean do we even need to go into that study uh it's published by the journal of affective disorders which i mean who doesn't read every study published by the journal of affective disorders they found that beef was the only food linked to a lower risk of depression (laughs) yeah Uh, oh man give me that steak i am happy okay so they asked 14,216 people in Brazil between the ages of 35 and 74 if they followed a meatless diet and interviewed participants to identify their episodes of depression when looking at the association between plant-based diets and mental illness or I'm sorry mental wellness scientists took into consideration other variables including socioeconomic Parameters, smoking, alcohol habits, levels of physical activity, self-assured health status, body mass index, nutrition during the six months prior. Okay. So they found that meatless diets actually led to people experiencing depressive, depressive episodes twice as often as those who eat beef. So there you go. Nutrient deficiencies do not explain this association. I think maybe it does. Uh, you know, nu- nutrients found in beef, iron, vitamin B, zinc, protein, uh, they all are valuable in preventing uh, depressive episodes. So, there you go. Stick with meat. And then I see a new study from, uh, well, it's a new It's new research, okay, uh, that suggests there may be an ideal window of time to eat during the day. All right, so, wh- what's big now is the, uh, Intermittent fasting, right? We've talked about that. Well, that really isn't this. This is saying that eating relatively early may be beneficial for weight loss and keeping meals within a 10 hour period could improve blood sugar and cholesterol levels. This is according to two small studies published in the journal Cell Metabolism. Man, I have so many journals that I need to read, and I just, you know, the journal Cell Metabolism hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> The first study found that eating on a later schedule made people hungrier over a 24-hour period and when they consumed the same meals earlier in the day uh, than when they consumed the same meals earlier in the day. Now, late eating also led the study participants to burn calories at a slower rate, and their fat tissue seemed to store more calories on a later eating schedule than an early one. So overall, the study suggests that eating later can increase a person's obesity risk. The second study done among a group of firefighters found that consuming meals within a 10-hour window shrunk bad cholesterol particles, suggesting a potential reduction in risk factors for heart disease. And that eating window also improved blood pressure, blood sugar levels and uh, against, among the firefighters with underlying health conditions, uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. They claim that uh, your body processes calories differently when you eat late in the day. And so they say that uh, you need to eat earlier in the day within that 10-hour window. So they say from uh, 8 or 9 a.m. to 6 or 7 p.m. And that is the early window, not if you eat later. It also has your body asking for different types of foods uh, if you're a late eater. Uh, They also talked about uh, eating in that first hour, which is kind of, I mean, we've believed in that for a while, right? Where you get up and you want to have something and get your body already working to burn calories and working for you early on. So you need to eat uh, within that first hour and that's just, uh, you know, nutrition, uh, going with the, the new research of when to eat, uh, inside the window. Look, we're all different. We all need to process things differently to stay healthy for ourselves. Right. That's what's important. Um, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, my son does for better you performance. So I've uh, all that to tell you about, he- <laughs> to tell you about Elvis, uh, better you go there. He's got the app. He'll help you get through it. He'll talk, uh, talk you through, uh, uh, for eating and exercise and to make you a healthier person. Yeah, that's right. Better you Better the letter dot performance.com. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So if you're listening live, today is the 11th of October, 2022. Thank you for listening to Chewing the Fat, whether it's live or on Mamorax but uh my point of giving you the date today is that we missed wishing happy birthday to Vladimir Putin of Russia uh, the 7th of October was his birthday and you know we should have at least you know had a piece of cake or ice cream or something <laughs> to wish Vlad uh, you know happy birthday turned 70 this year it's a big day uh, big day this year for uh, for Vlad. and I see where Steven Seagal uh, had sent a birthday message uh, to Vlad. and uh, wow, is it good and he looks great. I realize today's a very important day. Today is President Putin. Today's a very important today, so he needed to cut that again, but anyway, that's just me. I realize today's a very important day. Today is President Putin's birthday. And uh I just think that we are now living in very, very trying times. Yeah. I'm he is one that. of the greatest world leaders and one of the greatest presidents in the world. Oh. And I'm really hoping and praying that he gets the support and the love and the respect that he needs and that all the tribulations that are going on now will be over soon and we will be living in a world of peace. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be nice, to be living in a world of peace. Well, we found out today that uh, the president of Ukraine, uh, Zelensky, uh, rules out talks with Vladimir Putin and urges G7 nations to impose a tough price cap on Russian oil and gas exports. So apparently he doesn't want peace. Uh, he wants the war to continue. He asked earlier for us to have a preemptive strike against Russia. so even Steven Seagal, uh, who wants peace uh, won't uh, won't get it with uh, Zelensky in charge or maybe or maybe even with Joe Biden in charge. I don't know. Uh, you know anyway, happy birthday to Vlad, and I hope that we reach peace soon. That'd be great uh, if someone actually. Uh, would sit down and talk a little bit of peace, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. We wouldn't have to worry about uh, the fresh air alerts across Ukraine now after, you know, massive Russian bombardment. You know, and that's another thing. Uh, I keep thinking, you know, we're mad at Vlad for uh, blowing up Ukraine and we're pissed that he's, you know, blowing. Oh my gosh, he, he's blown up where, where civilians are. Um, I thought that's what war is supposed to be. I, you know, I'm, uh, maybe I'm fighting the old school war, but uh, I I I got it. I got it. All lives are sacred, and gosh darn it, today we're able to zero in, and he could bomb things that you know aren't where people are. But and why was he want to bomb Ukraine all to hell and then take over the country? Doesn't make a lot of sense, really. But the point is, is that um, if you're at war, uh, is there I guess you know, I'm supposed to worry about what I'm bombing during that war. Okay, all right, fine. You got me. No problem. We're still worried about uh, Vlad using the killer dolphins. <laughs> if he was using the killer dolphins, I mean, they didn't work well uh, because the Crimea Bridge got blown up. I thought maybe know the dolphins were swimming around there, but I guess not. I guess now we did have some hacking going on from here in the United States, uh, the airports, 14 US airports, uh including uh, Atlanta's Hartsfield, Jackson, Los Angeles LAX, uh briefly offline. Their websites, their specific airport websites offline, uh thanks to the Russian hacker group Killnet. Apparently, it didn't disrupt any uh, passenger travel. We do enough of that on our own. We don't need Killnet to do that. And so, I guess there was just minimal disruption uh, from the denial of service attack, which was, uh, you know, their airport websites. All right, and I guess they've been doing this uh, throughout uh, the invasion, and especially the cyber attacks came in parallel to you know Russian shelling the Ukrainian cities. Uh, this weekend over the uh, bridge bombing so uh, we'll see uh, I guess that during the uh, uh, the big shelling that was going on they say 11 people were killed, 60 injured. okay uh, you know I'm very very sorry that this is happening. I am I don't want it to happen here I don't want it to happen anywhere here near there whatever uh, you know and no I don't want bombing in a can. <laughs> Uh, you know just write your own dr seuss book about how you don't want bombing however uh you know that's what war is so maybe we should be thinking about peace just a little bit more all i can think about now is writing a green eggs and ham bombing book for the ukraine russian war i don't like bombing in Ukraine. I don't like bombing anywhere. I don't like bombing Sam I am. I don't like bombing. <laughs> Write it yourself. Email me chewing the fat at Write me a green eggs and ham. I don't want bombing Sam I am. And now uh, we'll read some of the best ones on air. Okay, chewing the fat at So I see where, uh, Iran, uh, the oil workers went on strike, uh, joining the ongoing mass anti-government protests across the country over morality laws and the death of a 22 year old, uh, masa, Amin. uh, we need to be behind these people a hundred percent. I have no idea why we are not. It feels like we're not though. Uh, it just feels like we're not, and we should be behind this. Now is the time more than ever. And get Iran back on our side. And that needs to happen right away. I see where uh, one of the largest rail unions in the country rejected the Biden administration brokered deal with the railways. So just when you thought, ah, we're fine, we're back to business and goods are going to start moving, Uh, they're not going to shut down. Well, yeah, they very well could shut down. So, a vote drew the record turnout. Nearly 12,000 members of the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. <laughs> uh, okay, those are the members of the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, the BMWED, uh, casted a ballot rejecting the deal. opposed, according to the BMWED press release. Uh, The Biden-sponsored deal had 24% raises, $5,000 annual bonuses, attendance policy exemptions, medical purposes. But uh, the BMWED president, Tony Cardwell, said that workers were still concerned about working conditions and sick leave. I mean, they just want it all. So I'm starting, I want to be on the, I mean, no, no one supports trains. More than this show. Life in the train age. chewing the fat. I am a fan of the rails and the rail systems and the rail workers. <laughs> but uh, they are, you know, they claim that the members, you know, now we're getting off uh, their direction of their employers and mismanagement and greed in which they have, con- uh, hello. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, across the entire rail network. So I know that the world is disappointed and we'll see what happens if they can get this deal back on the table. But if they end up striking next month, uh, could I mean, we're talking about now shutting down the, the rail system again. Wow. This administration, uh, has, uh, done wonders for this country and it just, it makes me still proud to be an American. How about you? Hey, who died today? Who died today? As long as we're happy about being Americans, let's be happy together and talk about a pioneering radio DJ, Art LeBeau, dead. Uh, I know he's sad. He passed away, he was 97. He is uh, credited with helping end segregation in Southern California. Uh, you know, he had an 80-decade broadcast career. I mean, an eight-decade. He didn't have 80s. the 800 years old. No, an eight-decade broadcast career. Uh, incredible. He died in Palm Springs, California after catching pneumonia. Very sad. Uh, said, and that was his production company, Dart Entertainment, who made the announcement. He did a final show that was produced last week and broadcast on Sunday night. Still working. Still doing shows. Awesome. Uh, you know, he did big uh, drive-in eatery shows with white, black, and Latino l- listeners who uh, who danced to rock and roll and uh, shocked the older generation. Those damned big band likers. <laughs> and he's credited with coining the phrase "oldies but goodies." So okay. He, I guess he started the original sound record in 1958 and released the compilation album "All These But Goodies" Volume One. So stayed on Billboard's Top 100 chart for 183 weeks. I love it. All right. So anyway, uh, very sad. He hosted a syndicated show, the Art LeBeau Connection Show, and uh, they loved his dedications for the '50s era rock and roll uh, you know, love ballad or rhythm and blues tune. And so they, you know, anyway, uh, was wonderful. Uh, he was a great DJ, 80 years for the guy on radio. That's awesome. Uh, and he was still working and I mean, you got to give it to the guy. He came up, he's the guy that came up with oldies, but goodies. Uh, that's awesome. So, uh, very sad to uh, say that, uh, Radio DJ, Art LeBeau. Dead. At 97. Rest in peace.